Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 200. <laughs> you, you paused for a second and I was like, did you forget? Oh, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what we're talking about. To be fair, I was sitting here, we just had a conversation about how it was episode 200, and you're like, welcome to episode, and I'm like, what episode is it? <laughs> yeah, you know how we start the beginning of every episode by telling you what number episode it is. <laughs> um, we have both been hyper aware of it, because every time we finish a recording... And we go to save the episode. We're both like, oh my god, 195, <laughs> oh, 196. Oh. Last week we were like, 199. Oh my god. We um, haven't even decided what we're going to cover yet. <laughs> and uh, here we are. What if we still hadn't decided? Oh my <laughs> like, goodness. We're just, we're just going to start talking. Uh, let me just look at my bookshelf. Oh, no, it's empty. <laughs> oh, no, all my books when I needed them most. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, no, uh, so this is episode 200, uh, and that's bananas. Uh, but we did ask uh, our patrons, our omnibus patrons, um, what... They, uh, if they had any ideas to what we should do for episode 200, because we've been very aware of it for a long time now, and we weren't able to come up with anything. Choice um, paralysis. Yeah, it's really, um, extremely overwhelming, and, um, whoops, why did you do that? I'm trying to look at something. <laughs> I'm sorry. Pause. It's in my nature. No, not... <laughs> <laughs> um... Pav suggested that um, we do a team instead of an individual character. And I was like, that that was a fun idea. And then I was like, well, go big or go home. <laughs> Let's talk about the X-Men. <laughs> um, and then I asked Olivia, are you sure that's a lot? And she didn't respond to me for days. <laughs> <laughs> I went into an X-Men induced coma. I truly <laughs> it, I was doing the thing where I truly thought I had responded because I saw the message and I thought, yeah, I mean, you know, it's episode 200 by this well commit to something big. Um and I did I didn't say I didn't say that. So it did seem like um the question had simply obliterated me. Um <laughs> But uh we are we are going to do we're going to talk about the X-Men. I it's going to probably it, it might go longer. It's very likely to go longer <laughs> than our normal episode. So buckle up. Get yourself a snack now. Pick yeah. up a task. That crocheting that you've been meaning to do, start that. If you've been yeah. trying to get into embroidery like <laughs> Just, you know, gather your materials, put this podcast on, learn about the X-Men while you do that. Yeah. Go for a run. Uh, I don't know. It might be a long run. <laughs> Depending how, how your runs usually go. Um, I, um, 
e even a, a longer than usual episode is still going to be an incredibly, incredibly abridged history of <laughs> the X-Men. Um, the history of the X-Men could be its own podcast. <laughs> honestly, truly, we could have 200 episodes of that. Um, but we're just, we're just gonna, we're gonna do, um, gonna do just sort of a, 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 a general <laughs> primer. A highlight reel. A highlight reel of the X-Men talking about, you know, some of the, the meta textual, you know, the, the publishing history of the X-Men and also the narrative history of the X-Men. and. Also, uh, some, you know, kind of looking at the X-Men as a whole and how they fit in to the Marvel Universe um, and, you know, their cultural impact and all that stuff in an extremely abridged way. So here we go. <laughs> um, so, the X-Men <laughs> were created in 1963. By Stanley and Jack Kirby. Surprise! Uh, they... <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> but you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> um, this was after uh, a lot of, you know, the other Lee Kirby creations. Um, after uh, they'd already made Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Thor. Um, Stanley had already written Spider-Man, uh, and they wanted to do another, uh, team book, uh, and came up with this idea sort of, like, based on the, you know, homo superior concept that had existed in, like, sci-fi for a long time of, uh, superheroes who just had superpowers because they were born with them. Which, according to Stan Lee, was partly based on laziness because he didn't want to have to come up with another reason for people to have superpowers. He was like, <laughs> they, just ha they just have them. They're, ju they're just born with them. Maybe it's um, Maybelline, but, you know, just, yeah. just born with them. Yeah. I Which fucked that I joke up, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was perfect. Which I have to imagine over at like DC, they were like, ah, god damn it! Why didn't we? Why didn't we come up with the idea of just they just they just have them? Like DC, does, like I I know there are characters at DC who have like mutation based powers, but DC doesn't really have like a a a concept of mutants as like I mean they've... you know a They've got like a the group. meta gene, yeah, but it's that's not like, like they that's... all teamed together. Yeah, no, there, there <laughs> I mean that's also like <laughs> there wasn't one guy going around collecting metas and like yeah. putting them in his school. Yeah, that's also like also kind of <laughs> partly the the drawback to this is they have this thing that you can do to just give someone superpowers. And not have to explain it, but pretty much all mutants just get like associated with the X Men. <laughs> like the X Men just just come, like take them. Like you can't. 
<laughs> if you make a character who's a mutant because you don't want to come up with a backstory for them, you, they have to go hang out with the X-Men. The X-Men are like, want them to be mine a- now. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Like, you gotta, Molly- you gotta come to our school. Molly and Runaways just like, oh no. <laughs> no! Yeah. Molly's like a pretty rare example, I feel like. And only because Runaways, like, at the time was sort of like indie-ish. Like, Nobody cared what those kids were doing. Those crazy kids. Yeah, but the Wolverine was like, oh shit, this kid's a mutant. Do I have to call Charles? Yeah, he's like, well, I don't want to, I don't know how to deal with this. She punched um, me really hard. She punched me so hard. It was really cringe. <laughs> um, So they come up with this concept for uh, this team of mutants. um, And... That leads into, like, okay, uh, they're a team, uh, they're young, they're, like, teenagers, and, uh, they have this school. Because we have, um, we have this idea for, like, people who are born with superpowers. It's like, well, there's probably, there has to be, like, somebody, like, looking out for them. So there's a school where a bunch of these mutant kids go, and it's run by this man, uh, named Professor X. And a bunch of the mutants from the school form a superhero team uh, called the X-Men. From the start, they've never... Like, Lee and Kirby, it didn't seem like were explicitly from the beginning, like... And also, it will be an allegory for oppression. Um, (laughs) It just just kind of ended up that way. Because, you know... It just kind of... (laughs) did that you just look at the x-men and you're like ah i see it's a metaphor (laughs) oh interesting um and it's like the the elements are there from the beginning like the the start like the the original concept for the x-men is that like you know people are like afraid of them and they're still trying to protect them anyways uh Magneto is, like, the primary villain, like, from the beginning, um, and is, you know, like, humans hate us, and I want to destroy them, uh, although (laughs) the, the more, as we discussed when we talked about Magneto, the more sympathetic elements of Magneto, um, don't get introduced until, like, later, like, the 80s. Um, an original Magneto is leading a team called the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and he's like, I think we should take over the world and enslave all humans, and Charles is like, I think we shouldn't do that. (laughs) But, uh, there's also, I mean, like, in one of, like, the very, very early issues, they introduce this concept of sentinels who are literally like mutant hunting giant robots <laughs> like um but it it's not like there's no like specific allegory that they're necessarily trying to get across like the idea that uh you know uh Charles represents uh Martin Luther King and uh Magneto represents Malcolm X was not present like wasn't something that they were writing with that in mind 
and like could have been like subconsciously there, but kind of got like added in and made more explicit as time went on. And, and people more looked and more at writers. it and were like, yeah. "Oh, we could um, we could make a parallel here." Oh, interesting, interesting. It seems like uh, there's some relevant stuff going on. Hmm, um, interesting. Could yeah. this all be about civil rights? Yeah. And obviously, like, Lee and Kirby are both Jewish men in America in the 60s and are drawing from that experience. And also this, you know, the civil rights movement is very much present and ongoing and they're making stuff against the backdrop of that. So, like, they weren't... (laughs) ignorant of it but they weren't making (laughs) x-men with the intention of you know this will be our social issues comic comics are not created in a vacuum believe it or not (laughs) oh boy (laughs) they sure aren't um but i want all these politics out of my comics I I want comics to only be written by people who have never interacted with the world. What about the good old days when it was just Captain America punching Nazis? Wait, no, wait, hey. Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on, actually. (laughs) Oh, what about when it was just people looking for their rights? Oh, wait, 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 hold on, wait. (laughs) Um, yes. So, as, um, we've brought up all all of this in some form or another before. The original X-Men team um, was five members and Professor X. Uh, it was uh, Cyclops, Jean Grey, who at the time was uh, going by Marvel Girl, uh, Beast, who at the time was a guy, <laughs> not furry, <laughs> a guy, um, just a man with slightly just, longer just, arms and legs. Yeah, just 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 a just a, a man with slightly different proportions than most men. Um technically a mutation, yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh there was Angel and there was Iceman. Uh so one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> it's beast. <laughs> oh buddy um so not exactly cyclops and gene yes but otherwise not the currently most iconic x-men um they were all teens at at the time and they it did not uh sell super well which is Interesting now, I mean, obviously, because uh, currently the X-Men are very popular um, (laughs) and had, I mean, I think like, I mean, obviously have always been very popular, like pre-MCU were probably like one of Marvel's like best known like offerings. Um, And also because it seems like Almost more than anyone else, the X-Men sort of embody that, like, 
kind of like Lee Kirby ethos that was like setting Marvel characters apart of having them be kind of humanized and tormented and dealing with issues. Like Spider-Man is the, the er example of this, but all of Spider-Man's stuff is like on a very personal level. Um, the X-Men issues aren't like, oh, what if you uh, were broke and you couldn't get a girlfriend and your boss hated you, but like, what if society wanted you dead? <laughs> at large um so it's interesting like and also interesting because their most popular um book at the time was fantastic four which currently has much less of a following uh and also is like pretty different from like a lot of other superhero stuff um like probably like as we as comics get darker and edgier is when people start to be like, I don't want to read comic books about a, a, a married couple and their family. I want to read these cool, tormented youths. But uh, it lasted um, for 66 issues, the original um, X-Men run. At uh, some point... Uh, Roy Thomas and Neil Adams um, took over writing and art. They introduced uh, Havoc and Polaris, two characters who obviously have continued uh, to um, to to be around. But uh, it it still didn't really take off uh, until. 1975, when, uh, giant size X-Men came out, uh, which was a story in which, uh, the original X-Men team, uh, had gotten captured and, uh, they needed to assemble a new team of mutants to rescue them, which consisted of Colossus, Nightcrawler, Storm, um, Thunderbird, Banshee, Sunfire, uh, and Wolverine, <laughs> most famously of all. Um, Wolverine had been introduced briefly before, uh, he had a fight with the Hulk. Um, Banshee and Sunfire had both made brief appearances before. Uh, the rest were new characters and were, um, created a specific they they got a recommendation from editorial that it should be an international team which <laughs> is how you get you know uh colossus is russian kurt is german storm is from kenya um logan's canadian logan's canadian <laughs> the most important of all um God, uh, and this team, uh, really sort of takes off, obviously, <laughs> uh, as evidenced by the fact that you're like, oh, here's, here's m more of the X-Men that, like, everybody knows. These are my familiar X-Men. 
Yes, there they are. They also weren't, uh, teens. <laughs> Obviously. They're like, ah, you know what was so weird about that? The first X-Men team? We were putting children in danger. Maybe it we should go back to adults? It, it was a lot. It was a lot of... It was a lot of heavy situations to be putting children in, as it turns out. Um, but, uh, they, uh, obviously other, um, you know, th the former, like, X-Men come back. Um, Cyclops stays as a member of the team. Uh, Jean Grey comes back as Phoenix. And, uh, after the, um, Giant Size X-Men issue, which is written by Len Wein and drawn by Dave Cockrum, um, Chris Claremont takes over writing this new X-Men series, uh, and becomes probably the most, like, well-known and definitive X-Men writer to this day. Um, he, uh, kicks off the 80s with, um, the Dark Phoenix Saga, <laughs> which, uh, I mean, listen, <laughs> you can listen to us try to unpack that in our Jean Grey episode, um, but it is, uh, th there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot about the Dark Phoenix Saga, both g good and bad, to consider, but it is one of the most famous comic book storylines of all time. One of the ones that ha that's had, like, the longest-running impact, not just on, like, the X-Men and Jean Grey, but also in, you know, like, things that you can do and stories you can tell in comics. Um, they also, like especially, like, going into the early 80s, like, really, really, really lean into, um, the mutant oppression aspect, which obviously had always been present from the beginning, but, like, a lot of the 60s stuff was focused more on, you know, stopping Magneto from... <laughs> trying to take over the world. It's like, well, this this oppression is bad, but Magneto is worse. Is he? Um, is he, though? Is I mean, at the time, he was pretty evil, but maybe not as much as, uh, you know, prejudice. <laughs> um, but this is where, like, a lot of concepts get introduced in the 80s. Days of Future Past is an 80s storyline uh, where a version of uh, Kitty from the future like transfers her memories to present day Kitty um, of this dystopian future where um, mutants are, you know, hunted down and, and thrown into, uh, internment camps, and, uh, she has to, um, prevent the, uh, like, mystique from killing the senator that's going to, like, trigger this, like, huge wave of, like, anti-mutant hysteria. Um, there's, uh, 
the idea of a mutant registration act is introduced in the early 80s um which like obviously predates civil wars superhero registration act by like 20 years and it's about again this same anti-mutant senator trying to introduce legislation that would you know force mutants to register with the government which is is sort of not really like one story arc but kind of an ongoing element uh god loves man kills is a um a graphic novel published in 1982 that was originally intended to be kind of an out of continuity solo story but got like incorporated into continuity which um is about William Stryker a priest who's uh who has like a uh a, a son who's a mutant and like thinks mutants are an abomination from god and is trying to you know like form like a a a following like a congregation to basically destroy mutants this uh is largely what the second of the original x-men movies was based on was largely this um genosha is introduced in the 80s uh i think later like the late 80s um but genosha is a um country off the coast of africa that uh, fictional obviously (laughs) um that uh like has basically uh enslaved its mutant population and created an apartheid state and it's like there's this guy called the the gene engineer gene and gene engineer gene 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 engineer i like he's a gene engineer (laughs) i like gene engineer he's the gene engineer mostly because it sounds like my sister's name (laughs) yeah there we go the i can't believe my sister's done this (laughs) It's these horrible crimes against mutants. It's an extremely serious storyline, which is why it kind of bothers me that they gave this man a pretty silly name. Do you think they were like, God, we need some levity somewhere. Just name him the Jit Engineer. Yeah, let's give him a silly name that people will have a hard time pronouncing on podcasts in like 30 years. Um, Genosha is a a recurring element in X-Men because it eventually uh, they are able to, you know, uh, liberate it and end the enslavement of mutants. And then um, Magneto, like, takes over ruling it and forms, like, basically an independent mutant nation, a thing, an element that is constantly recurring x-men comics and always ends badly (laughs) not this time this time when it's happening now it'll definitely go fine (laughs) um but uh it ends up becoming like an independent mutant nation with a population of 16 million and then uh it it gets 
almost entirely wiped out, but that's later. <laughs> um, so that's in 1988. There's also, so all of this is happening. X-Men is also becoming incredibly popular, like selling really well. Um, unquestionably Marvel's like most successful books and they start launching uh, a lot of spin-offs of it. Uh, so New Mutants, obviously, uh, we've talked about before, is a standalone graphic novel um, that comes out in the early 80s that uh, follows, obviously, a, a new group of teen mutants. Um, X-Factor, uh, it comes out like uh around the same time and follows the uh the original five X-Men uh forming a like posing as like anti-mutant investigators so that they can find young mutants and help them get out of dangerous situations. <laughs> uh Excalibur, British mutants alpha flight <laughs> you know canadian mutants british mutants canadian mutants. british mutants canadian mutants the, these um, ones are all over the ding dang place yeah um they start doing like a lot of uh not not a lot not as many as they're gonna do in the 90s but they start doing kind of like x-men specific like crossover events that are just kind of following the the multiple uh x-men books um they uh at one point professor x goes to space yep yeah he, he know, sure does he just he just he's like bye everyone i'm going to space my wife's out there <laughs> my space wife um we uh so Kitty uh obviously is uh introduced in this era. Um a lot of other very 80s mutants, uh Dazzler, Jubilee, Forge, uh oh Rogue also um is not part of the 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 team in uh obviously like the the like original like rebranded team, but she shows up not too long after. So a lot of characters that people, you know, are the are the characters to come to mind when people think of the X-Men, um, are introduced in in the 80s. Um in uh in the 90s, uh boy, the X the X-Men are really going. <laughs> um it's edgy 90s time people love these extremely tormented characters um we've you know started to to introduce the sort of magneto like a holocaust backstory we're making magneto a more sympathetic character we're bringing in uh cool edgy anti-heroes like cable and uh gambit 
Gambit is introduced uh, in 1990 and is wildly <laughs> popular. Hmm. Hmm. Surprise. Surprising. Surprise. Oh, wow. Ooh, <laughs> wow. Seen this coming? Look at this man. Ooh, wow. Ooh, boy. Look at that guy. <laughs> uh, this is the, uh, the characters from the New Mutants are, um formed into a new team under Cable called X-Force, and Cable's like, okay, we're the cool, edgy mutants, and we are gonna do all of the the grim stuff. We have guns. And the new mutants are like, we don't have guns. And Cable's like, I have guns. I have enough guns for all of us. Don't you worry, Uh. kid. Cable, is this ethical? (laughs) Don't worry about it. Um, Chris Claremont, uh, leaves in the, um, early 90s. Uh, there's, with all of the many, many X-Men books, as you could probably guess, there's some, uh, tension between the various creators. Um, Rob Liefeld, obviously, uh, is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is uh is around and, and kicking on X-Force. Um Scott Lobdell, a personal enemy of mine, takes over X-Men after Claremont leaves. Um Jim Lee is uh is is working on uh some of the books. I think I think the, the main X-Men series. He's in there um, somewhere. He's in there. You know, you know he's in there. Uh, and there's a ton. Of, there's a ton of big events. Um, Age of Apocalypse happens. Um, Apocalypse was introduced, I think, in um, in X Force or X. Fa- it was X Factor. I did it again. Um, <laughs> I Apocalypse mean, was introduced in X-Factor. I don't know how you keep doing this. They're so easy to tell apart. X-Force, <laughs> X-Factor, two very different sounding team names. They couldn't be more different. Uh, Age of Apocalypse is a storyline in which this villain Apocalypse, who's um, a d- d- semi-immortal possibly the first mutant um they uh like visit a future where apocalypse has taken over um executioner's song is a sort of cable centric story about cable's evil brother um extinction agenda is one of the big uh genosha storylines um Generation X is the name for the 90s, uh, like, teen, uh, X-Men group. Um, there's, uh, Bishop, I think, is also introduced at this time. Um, another very 90s character concept. He travels, uh, back in time from a dystopian future where mutants are being persecuted and he spent his whole life in a mutant internment camp and now he's angry and bitter about the (laughs) X-Men. Um, and he has a gun. (laughs) 
you've gotta um in 2000 uh grant morrison um becomes sort of the main x-men writer and one of the first things they do is destroy genosha uh <laughs> there's an evil um <laughs> we hate this place <laughs> grant morrison personally projects into the comic <laughs> and destroys no the, the <laughs> actual he shows up he's like hi in the, in the comic hi i'm grant morrison i don't like this place so i'm getting rid of it just flicks it off of a map it never existed <laughs> and now. it never will um the the could, actual explanation could actually, is could you actually imagine if that's how reboots happened <laughs> There's just, like, a page of, like, the writer coming in saying, like, I don't like this, and therefore it never happened. Sometimes it feels like that when you're reading comics. <laughs> Sometimes I'm reading comics, and it feels like Dan Didio is looking at me personally and going, like, I'm Dan Didio, and I don't want you to be happy. <laughs> Dan Didio, no. Um... um the actual explanation for Genosha is probably more Buckwild than, in true Grant Morrison fashion, probably more Buckwild than Grant Morrison projecting astrally into the comic <laughs> because it involves, um, ex like, Professor X having a twin who... Professor Y. No, a, a, a twin who he, like, got into a, um psychic battle with in the womb oh no i was really hoping that that sentence wouldn't end if, with in the womb <laughs> oh it sure does he got into a psychic battle with her in the womb and so she her physical body died but her psychic consciousness became its own entity um Grant. that eventually <laughs> Yeah, that eventually was able to psychically manifest a body. Um, and so she sent um, a bunch of sentinels to destroy Genosha um, in, in order to get revenge on Charles. Um, but m millions of mutants are, are killed. I think it's 16 million. Um, That's so many... Grantifer. <laughs> Why? Um, yeah, it's Grant's like there's a too lot. many of them. I'm just gonna do a terrible act. <laughs> I'm just going to make a genocide happen. Um, it, it, it's a big you know what X Men comic needs genocide. I guess. I think. I <laughs> like, think it there doesn't... needs to be. Yeah. It doesn't it's, actually. It really, Grant's it really Antonio. doesn't. Um, it's one of the things, this also, like, happens in, like, not too long before House of M. Like, this is, I think, 2000 or, like, 2001, and then House of M is, like, 2006? Um, oh so the God. early 2000s. 
It's a really bad time to be an X-Man. Just among the worst times, somehow, despite how bad all the other times were. The X-Men are like, I think it's getting better. No! Um, One of the, like, some X-Men is like, you know what? I think... I think it's finally getting better. I think we're entering into, like, a good time. And then, like, everybody else immediately hears the Kill Bill sirens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it, uh, that's, so, that is, that is an event that obviously is still referenced, um, in-universe today. Uh, because it was, it was a big deal. Um, he does put Emma Frost, or they do, um, he, they? I actually, I don't. Who? Grant. Ah. Grantifer. Grantifer. Um. I think they, if I am remembering correctly. I I know they do use they. I don't know if they also use he. I'm going to keep using they. (laughs) Um, they put Emma Frost on the team. They introduce... The concept of secondary mutations, which I think is stated later, like, yeah, we didn't have Colossus anymore, so I wanted Emma Frost to have cool diamond skin so she could be a tank, (laughs) which does kind of whip. Imagine looking at Emma Frost and being like, you know what? She needs to be a tank. She deserves it. She's earned this. After everything. She was evil for like 20 years and now she's gonna be a tank on the X <laughs> I'm gonna make this woman so indestructible. <laughs> she does deserve it. Um I think this is around the era that that one Emma Frost like solo like backstory miniseries comes out that I read in it extremely formative age that um surprise yeah surprise that i hadn't really like i didn't really know anything about emma before and then i read that and i was like this is my favorite person (laughs) um not even favorite x-men no favorite favorite overall (laughs) yes out of all of them um forget my parents it only the it's only emma frost now Yes. Uh, early 2000s, um, we also get Joss Whedon's run on Astonishing X-Men, um, which, as with most Joss Whedon creations, has its ups and downs. <laughs> I also read this at a very formative age. Um, surprise! So I took, surprise! So I took, um, I took a lot from it. Um, and, uh, so, 2005, so, we've, we've described House of M many times before, but basically, uh, after Civil War, um, Wanda is, uh, sort of unintentionally coerced by her brother, to uh, manifest a reality in which mutants are in charge, um, her family is, you know, the most powerful of all, at on the top of this mutant hierarchy, 
and non-mutants are being discriminated against instead. Uh, and there's, you know, a bunch of, of, like, books that, like, take place, you know, like, little, like, kind of mini-series from a bunch of different comics, like, exploring this reality. Um, and then Wanda finds out that this happened, gets extremely upset at her brother and her father and everything that she perceives as leading to this moment. Um, and using her scarlet witchy reality altering powers says no more mutants and uh, depowers 98% of the mutant population. I think um, the wildest thing about House of M is like, Clearly, Wanda has the power to shape to shape all of reality. And what do they do with it? They trick her into just doing a complete like power swap. You couldn't have thought of like a socialist utopia or something. Like, <laughs> like, oh, I, Wanda, why don't you just make a reality where, you know, people don't hate each other based off of things that they can't help? Hey, Wanda, if you could just say it and make it happen, why can't you say, no more racism? Wanda, why can't you just say, like, no more prejudice? Or, like, <laughs> or like everybody has their needs met. Like, Yeah. God damn. Um, is, and then she's like, no, you know what's the problem here? Mutant powers. Wanda, that's yes. not the problem. That's not the problem. This is this is why this is how we fall into this trap that's like, well, Wanda's too powerful. So, we need to just justify all of it by being like, "Oh no, she's crazy. She can't uh, she she's too mentally unstable to do anything like that. She's um, too emotional. Her woman emotions." Oh, um, no, not the emotions. Yes. Uh, but... Which sucks, this... by the way, if you couldn't tell by our tones. Yeah, no, we don't, we don't like, we don't like that <laughs> as a story element. It is not good. Um, but this mutant depower, depowering, there's... Uh, it's it stated at one point that there's 198 mutants left with powers. That's such a specific number. About like 70 of them are still on X-Men teams. Do you think they made a list and they passed this list around to every X-Men writer? Like these are the only people who still have their powers. And they're just like looking at the list like, Aww. Or they're like, there's 198. We have 198 slots here. Everybody gets to add a few until we run out. <laughs> I mean, the thi it's not just X-Men mutants. It's all no, mutants. No, I know. Like, so, like, I mean, every, time, every, about... every time there's, like, okay, that kid in 7-Eleven that we saw start a fire, he's on the <laughs> list. <laughs> I think, like, later sort of like reviews of this i at this point i think it's clear that there were definitely more than 198 mutants and they just sort of like hand waved it as being like oh yeah they just 
guessed how many there were. <laughs> then why not um, say like around 200? 198 is such a specific number, it feels like you counted. It feels like you count, like, the, the, I, they said it specifically, so they chose a very specific number, so it would have a very specific impact, and then they didn't commit to it. Um, there should statistically have been, like, four existing X-Men who had superpowers. How many countries are there? <laughs> 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 You're right. There's, it would have been a miracle if they got one of them. One X-Man. You got one. <laughs> you might have a few if they're, like, from different places. God. This one's two years old. <laughs> they're too young to be an X-Man. Yes. Um, so, in the aftermath of... Uh, House of M, into the late 2000s and early 2010s, they focus a lot on um, the mutant, the quote-unquote mutant messiah, Hope Summers, who, like, the first mutant baby born after no more mutants, referred that they to know as M-Day in canon, that they know of. <laughs> I'm, um, I, like, I'm assuming they use, like, Cerebro or something. Um, <laughs> Cerebro is just like, I mean, this kid over here might be a mutant, but, you know, it's so far away. And then, like, Hope Summers shows up and Cerebro is like, oh, I know what the Summers feel like. Yeah, that kid's a mutant. Yeah. Uh, that one for sure. Um, but uh, there's a lot of time spent on this cable ends up finding the baby and taking her into the future um all a bunch of various x-men teams and x-men villains are fighting over finding this baby and tracking her down um hope ends up uh being like raised in the future and then um like comes back uh to kind of you know She's able to use her powers to find more mutants, um, new mutants who are being born or, like, manifesting their powers. Wow. Um, it's almost yeah. as if they just keep reinventing Cerebro. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> we have this thing that helps us find mutants, but what if I can do it better? <laughs> okay, I guess we were missing some mutants. Maybe Hope isn't the first mutant baby born since M-Day. <laughs> Maybe we okay. were wrong. It's very summer-centric of them. <laughs> Truly. Um, so Sometime in the middle of all of this, Scott is, like, again creating an independent mutant utopia. Um has a big fight with Logan over it. They break off into two separate, like, X-Men teams. Um, X-Men Blue and X-Men Gold. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Um, also they, um, fight the Avengers. Um, also the, uh, <laughs> Hank, uh, goes into the past to find the original X-Men and then brings them into the present um, to try and stop 
Scott from <laughs> sucking. <laughs> um, Scott, I just really need to remind you of what you started as. Here's you as a child that I pulled from the past. And everybody's <clears throat> like, what the fuck, Hank? This is, I, how is this helping? The, they're stuck here now. Hank. Um, they're stuck here now and Bobby's having a sexuality crisis. You kidnapped children into the future. What the fuck? <laughs> Hank. A lot of, a lot of, of, of Hank choices feel like that one, um, that one comic that goes around on Twitter a lot. There's somebody who's like, I built a robot that can scream. The other person's <laughs> like, why? <laughs> it's just sort of standing there thinking about it as the robot in the background is like, uh... ah! <laughs> um, yeah. So th there's a lot. Um, the 2010s are a little, um, a little messy. Uh, Logan... Die, dies dies in 2014 <laughs> um and uh laura is wolverine for a while then they you know go find logan and bring him back it's like oh he's alive now it's like yeah we it's wolverine like <laughs> he's, we know he's specifically very very hard to kill <laughs> and also he's extremely popular He's so popular. Um, God. Uh, but the, yeah, a, a lot of, um, a lot of very messy stuff going on in the X-Men. That um, could explain any era of the X-Men. Any era of the X-Men, yeah. In 2019, uh, Marvel announces that they are, um, completely rebooting the whole X-Men line, canceling all of the X-Men books, relaunching the whole thing. It's all going to be um, spearheaded by critically acclaimed writer Jonathan Hickman. I'm just imagining um, the executives just like with a pile of X-Men on their desk and just sweeping it all off. And they're like, we're starting over. We can't do this anymore. There's too much. <laughs> uh Jonathan Hickman um is writing a couple of the X-Men books, not all, but he is like foreseeing like overseeing the overall creative direction. I think recently like a couple weeks ago, he said he was sort of stepping back for a little bit, but he's still going to be involved. So this um launches with two miniseries um called House of X and Powers of X. Hoxpox. In which Hoxpox, yes. Um they are very weird comics. <laughs> there is a lot of very abstract stuff happening in these X-Men comics that I personally don't understand. The big the biggest thing that's happening is once again the X-Men have established a sovereign mutant nation. Um 
This one's good. This one will be good, though. <laughs> this um, one will be good. It's... They can bring people back from the dead. Don't worry about it. They've got everybody's yes. brains backed up in Cerebro. Yes, it's um, it's on a. Uh... <laughs> Don't worry. They have an external hard drive for X Men now. Y- yeah, it's fine. Um, it's on a sentient uh living island called uh Krakoa, which has been a part of X-Men since the um the first uh giant size X-Men that brought in Storm and Wolverine and Nightcrawler. It was where uh it like fed off like mutant like life force and it was where the original five X-Men got kidnapped too. Um and then it kind of it didn't show up very much for a while, um, but in Hawkspox, which fall under the the whole banner of like the the whole range of X Men titles for this kind of relaunch reboot is called Dawn of X, so it's Hawkspox Docs. <laughs> but uh, like Charles is able to telepathically connect with Krakoa and like convince it to become a, a mutant homeland. Um, <laughs> Just talks to Lee Island like, hey, are we cool? Are you going to try to eat us? We kind of want to live here. We kind of want to live here and vibe. Uh, fine, I guess. Can I have a little bit of energy, though? Like <laughs> like a tithe? <laughs> like, just a, just a little taste. Um, so, they're all... um. They're all living there. As mentioned, um, they can't die. Krakoa has the ability to resurrect any mutant, um, including ones that have been, like, dead for a while. Um, and also, when you get resurrected, if you lost your powers um, during House of M because a lot of mutants who lost their powers during House of M still don't have them, you get your powers back when you get resurrected. Um, And there's also this whole thing where, like, they have, like, like, you can't, like, you can't just be like, oh, kill me real quick. Like, they have, like, there's, like, a fighting ring overseen by, like, Apocalypse, like a gladiator ring, and you have to, like, die in like ritual mutant combat okay and maybe that was actually like krakoa is like okay but i need the energy can you please do a ritual can, combat yeah. and can then we do I'm a quick like, ritual combat thing like it'll um, it'll appease me and you know what i'll even bring him back to life it'll be fine yeah i'm just bored yeah, exactly. out here you don't know how boring it is to be a giant sentient island <laughs> um Emma Frost and Kitty Pride and um, a few others are sailing the high seas looking um, for uh, mutants who need to be, like, rescued and taken to Krakoa. Um, Excalibur is Br- British mutants again, but also <laughs> Richter's there. <laughs> um, they're not... They're not... It's... Betsy Braddock is leading them and is British. I don't think anyone else. It R- Richter, Gambit, Rogue, um, <laughs> Apocalypse. Um, None of them are British. 
Oh, and Jubilee. So yeah, it's it's only it's only Betsy who's British. <laughs> Betsy's um, like, hey, do you guys want to join my British team? It's it's so lonely over here. It's it's really boring. Um, the current storyline, um, is uh. The Trial of Magneto, which is Wanda died at the Hellfire Gala, and they think Magneto did it. I don't, I, (laughs) okay, I read a bunch of Hellfire Gala comics to see the Richter Shatterstar stuff and the, um, the, uh, David and Tommy stuff, and then I flipped through some other ones, and I didn't see Shatterstar anymore, and I was like, oh, fuck this. Um, <laughs> so I don't actually know what's happening right now in X-Men. <laughs> I will, I'll look, I'll look into it. <laughs> I, like, I'm assuming that there has to be some sort of evidence that Magneto did it. They can't just, like, oh, somebody died. Obviously it was Magneto. <laughs> hey, there's an X-Men Magneto's over here, like, I why would I kill my gr- my daughter? Like, we're, <laughs> my we're... daughter. I think she was retconned, re-retconned to be my daughter again <laughs> after we made her not my daughter in like 2015. <laughs> Why would I kill her? I have no reason to. And also, we were chill now. We're vibing. Thank you. I'm assuming um, they were chill now. Magneto. I I'm never sure what side so Magneto is say. on now. I want him to yeah, be, he... like, <laughs> I want him to be, like, the X-Men's weird uncle, where they're like, oh, you've murdered people. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but yeah. I'm fine now. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, no, that, that, that's the ideal. Casually um, just telling the grandkids to carry a knife with them, because you never know. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're just walking around in fun Hawaiian shirts. Giving everybody terrible advice. Um, so so that's a recap of some X-Men history. I, I really like the X-Men. Um, I think one of the things that most appeals to me about the X-Men is, like, part of the reason that I've always been more of a DC person than a Marvel person is, um... Marvel does not have a tradition of teen sidekicks because Stan Lee didn't like teen sidekicks. He thought they were a bad idea and it was silly. But, uh, and they have in universe the explanation of everything that happened with Bucky, um, to be like, yeah, probably most superheroes would not want to have a teen sidekick when the most famous original teen sidekick horribly died. Yeah. <laughs> um but it means that there's not really the same level of like generationalism that DC has because obviously in DC you have like you know there's a bat family and a wondered family and like a flash family and like all of them have you know various generations of heroes who have like relationships between each other and it makes like the whole like less so after a bunch of that got erased with new 52 and then 
sort of brought back with Rebirth, but it makes the whole, like, superhero community, like, feel very much like a community, like a bunch of people who all, like, know each other, and you're like, oh yeah, like, this guy is on a team with my best friend's dad, or whatever, like, that. And it's not a thing in Marvel, because you don't really have, like, there's not an Iron Man <laughs> family. I mean, um, there's Iron Heart now, but, like... Y yes, in, in the past... Yeah. They've less than 20 years, there's been much more of a push for teen heroes I think with in Marvel. I think it could, like, this is just me talking out of my ass, and it could just be completely colored by the comics that I enjoy, but I feel like mm -hmm. with the popularity of things like Runaways and Young Avengers, they were like, oh, people really like found family. Let's do more I... of that. Yeah, I think, like, those did really well. I think, like... Legacy superheroes. Who could have thought? Who would have predicted that? I think, like, after the... Like, I think trying to bring things, like, some more levity after the edgy, edgy 90s. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, maybe some fun youthful comics um and i think also like i think some of it also comes for like from the sort of push for more diversity is like i think i think it's i don't know if it's easier or if it's more appealing but it it seems like most like characters who get introduced who are like you know, not white or not straight, like, tend to be younger. Um, maybe it's just because they're new characters and you want to, you know... Grow with them. Not have, like, a 30-year-old just, like, wandering in, like, I'm a superhero now! <laughs> okay, um, but now I kind of do want a comic of just, like, a 30-year-old just... <laughs> Showing up like, hey, can I join the Avengers? Actually, shit, you know what? That is just Clint Barton in the That's 1960s. Just <laughs> That's just real, the, the man Clint Barton. Wow, I love him. Um, showing up to the Avengers like, hey, can I join you? Aw, shit. Aw, oh, beans. Um, guess, but anyways. Guess I'll the... do crime now. <laughs> The point is that in X-Men, because you have, like, a, a tradition of teen heroes, because it's a school, and, you know, new X-Men tend to be, like, students. Um, <laughs> and also, have, they keep like, finding these kids with powers. <laughs> they keep popping out of the snow like daisies. Um, so you have, like, actual like, generations within the X-Men. And you have characters who have known each other since they were, like, you know, 15 and probably going through a very traumatic experience. Um, so it, it makes, like, it makes X-Men complicated to read. And I definitely read X-Men sometimes, and I'm like, I don't know, who are, th who are these people? Um... <laughs> But it's, like, like that feeling of, like, 
you know, there being like a very kind of large interconnected community appeals to me. Um, and it's also interesting because like you can like read X-Men and obviously you would have to read a lot to know everything that's going on with X-Men, but you could read only X-Men and not touch anything from the rest of the Marvel Universe and probably be pretty okay, like, 90% of the time. Like, the X-Men are really, really most of the time doing their own thing. <laughs> um, and a lot of other superheroes um, uh, don't get it or don't want to get involved or don't like them, or like, those guys are just always fighting and arguing, and they have so many weird relationships with each other, and I don't want to deal with it. Um, They're like, I am not looking to be the X-Men's therapist today, I'll just yes. see myself out. Because <laughs> that's another thing, is like, interpersonal drama is huge in X-Men. Like, I think part of the reason that like, the sort of like, rebooted stuff in the 70s and 80s took off was because like people were really into these characters all having like you know complicated interpersonal relationships with each other it was part of the inspiration for the teen titan the new teen titans reboot um the 80s teen titans with uh raven and starfire and beast boy and cyborg among many others um, is they were like, we want to, like, we should have a book at DC where there can just be a bunch of, like, interpersonal drama and dating and stuff. Um. You know what? It, we kind of want some messy teens. I think we should get some mess in here. Um, and there's also the fact that, like, like, obviously the oppression metaphor is not perfect. No. Um, <laughs> I am far from the first person to point this out. Like, any, like, fantasy racism thing where you, like, you have... Like, it's it's it can't be a perfect allegory for any sort of real-world oppression if one of if the oppressed group, some of them can, like, shoot lasers. You know? Because then you have, like, the, like the anti-mutant bigots are making the argument like well what if they lose control of their powers and they like hurt people and that's like that's not a concern that anyone has in the real world well so you're you'd like be transposing surprised. the <laughs> okay fair <laughs> but you're like transposing the argument to a different argument that doesn't really exist also like i feel like it might be a little bit mm, less messy if they like picked one, picked something, <laughs> like and weren't like instead of just like it's, it's 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 all oppression. Yeah, all of it at once. Like it's a little bit of racism. It's a little bit of like queer phobia. It's a little yeah. bit of it's ableism. Yeah. It's anti-Semitism. Yeah. Um, like, I think let's just, also part let's of just that... like, cherry-pick our favorite parts of oppression and put it on the X-Men, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I think it's, like, partly, like, 
whatever's most relevant to like the character and the storyline at the time and also like different writers have like different issues that they want to spotlight yeah or talk about or are relevant to them personally um i feel like so it's like the the times that it works really well is when it is relevant to the writer personally <laughs> yeah but it does mean that sometimes you get stories where you're like wow this is really 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 clearly about homophobia and then other times where you're like wow this one is very obviously about racism yeah <laughs> um but it does mean that, like, X-Men has sort of consistently, not always successfully, but, like, been a comic with a lot of political concepts in it and big ideas <laughs> that, you know, might, might not be very well thought out, but they are there. Um... But it, it means that there's a lot of kind of, there's pro, I feel like there's probably more like scholarship around X-Men than like most other comics, like about the specific like concepts and ideologies that X-Men presents. Um, so it, and also they are like a very diverse group and, have been, I think, for longer than a lot of other teams, which definitely is partly because there's so fucking many of them that just, like, statistically, <laughs> <laughs> they have to end up throwing some, you know, non-white or non-straight characters in there. But I think it's also because, you know, the metaphor is so present that it like people are more in the mindset of like oh like probably we should have a native american mutant <laughs> um so it probably it's, should we should have more than one we should probably have quite a few of them probably we should actually keep making keep making them um they don't always get to that point but like they're like they're, they're like they have their like little checklist <laughs> they're like all right we have a native american we have a black woman. We have a Canadian. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We've covered Canadian and short king in one. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, but yeah, there's um, there's a lot about the X-Men that's very appealing. Um, also a lot that is messy and troubling, but that's... That's just comics. Yeah, that's comics, baby. That's comics. God, I true I truly was like maybe we won't go that much over time. Like I'm really condensing this X-Men <laughs> history. <laughs> you know, we actually um shorter than I expected. Yeah. I did I did expect yeah. this to go longer. Yep, and you know, called shot and uh we recorded early so i'm not getting um hangry <laughs> you had a little bit of snack um but uh that's i i think i think i've said enough about the x-men for right now <laughs> 
again, this is such a small fraction of things to say about the... If you want us to say more things about the X-Men or about specific things that we mentioned in this episode, maybe let us know. Yeah. We have, we have a list of X-Men characters that we haven't talked about yet. Um, I do still have but, the dartboard. Yeah, if, you know, if there, if there's anything in, in particular that really caught your attention. Um, I did, um, I read some comics. Oh, I read a bunch of my comics that I got from the, uh, short box, uh, comics fair that was, uh, ended yesterday. Um, and we recorded a bonus episode where I talked about some of those and also we talked about some other short box comics that we've read. Um, but I think, I think those were the only comics that I read this past week. Um, and you've been putting all of your comics into big old boxes. Yeah, but before I did that, I did read, um, issue seven, uh, the last one of Challenge of the Super Sons. Oh, yeah, I've, uh, felt, I felt normal about (laughs) (laughs) that um it's good i really want to ask tomasi who let him um make adventures of the super sons and challenge of the super sons like what if damien and john are still friends as old men and wrote down all of their adventures for their grandchildren, like, because it makes hello. me feel totally normal. <laughs> we are having such a normal one about like, it. Um. Hey, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's fine, actually. Like it's a good, it's a good device. Um, to have it be like these don't happen in any particular continuity. They just kind of happen and you don't really have to know anything else that's going on in comics right now to read these it's good it's good but also it does mean that one they get old (laughs) neither one of them like dies like i don't know who (laughs) let tomasi do this because this is powerful it means that they one get old two have children at some point three Neither one of them gets, like, lost in time or space, or, like, (laughs) they at least come back. Four, they're still friends. They, can you imagine there's a fucking, like, DC, like, editorial meeting and someone's trying to, like, pitch their story where Damien dies again. (laughs) Peter Tomasi's just in the back, like, can't do that. Already made him old. Nope, sorry. If you uh, look at uh, Challenge of the Super Sons and Adventures of the Super Sons, you can see that they're clearly old, um, approximately the same age, and they're still friends, alive, and most likely on this Earth. So, yeah. And if you uh, want to kill, grandkids. if you want to kill one of them, you got to bring them back pretty quick. If you want one of them to yeah. get lost somewhere, they'd better come back. If you want. <laughs> Like, it all has to end here. Um, God. But yeah, Challenge of the Super Sons was very fun. Um, If you were thinking about picking it up, 
Also, it's on, uh, the whole thing is already on DC Universe Infinite or whatever oh, hell yeah. the website is. They made the URL so long. Um, yes. It's all on there if you are subscribed to their service and putting money directly into DC's pockets. Um, <laughs> I also read um, Blue and Gold number three, which... Oh, them. I'm... Yeah. I. It's It's the beginning of, like... Ted's like, yeah, uh... Oh, God, at one point... Ted has to give Booster bad news, and he does call him Michael, and I'm like, oh no, why is this <laughs> so much for me? He's like, Booster, like... Michael, bad news. And I'm just like, oh, one of my favorite tropes, where you call some what, is a person that you never really call by their first name, and there's just, like, specific circumstances where you're like, I am using your first name to tell you that I am serious. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and then I also read Superman Son of Kal-El number four, which, um, still, still good. Um, we get a little bit more world-building about stuff that's going on. And also Wally shows up at one point and I felt very normal about it because he pulls John aside <laughs> and he's like, hey, if you ever want to, like, talk, I know what it's like to be suddenly thrust into a super, like, <laughs> this gestures at the <laughs> Justice League. Yeah. Oh, I... It was it was a good time for me to feel completely normal about comics. <laughs> um yep. Yep, lots lots going on. Yep. Lots m much to think about. And I I kind of wish that we didn't get the John by news yet because I'm just like when's that next issue coming out? Yes, <laughs> soon. <laughs> Can you, I mean, I think, like, I think they have to, like, get ahead of it to announce it, obviously, but, like, can you imagine, if, I mean, that's what happened with Tim, right? The, yeah, the, the, yeah. The Tim issue dropped, and pe I just got online, and people were like, hey! Yeah, just, like, I woke up in the morning to, like, a DM about, like, <laughs> Tim... Going, saying that he wanted to go on a date with a boy, and I'm just like, this is so much to wake up to. <laughs> what is this? From? Where is this? My um, my one of my Halloween parties that I went to on Saturday night, I w walked in the front door to somebody saying like. So all I'm saying is that, from what I can tell, every DC character is bisexual. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> you're right. It's true. God, um, not to bring up my TikTok, but I, I got a notification today that was like, T person commented on your video, and I'm just like, ah, oh, geez, ah, oh, no. At this point, it's probably not very good. And I open it up, and it's like, I don't think they're all by by. To be honest, and I'm like, okay, oh <laughs> all right. Thanks. They are in this TikTok. Cool. Like, I don't... 
Like, you... I don't know why you felt the need to put this on this video that is clearly a funny joke. It's, like, I don't think that they're all by either. I have... <laughs> <laughs> personal headcanons for a lot of them that are not bisexual. I don't yes. even think that Tim is bi. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fun joke for the TikTok. It's just a fun joke for the TikTok. I think this whole time, every time I look at Tim, I'm like, he's gay and anxious. <laughs> yeah. These, these, Tim Drake. 50% gay, 50% anxious, and then there's like a little sliver in there that's like 0.0001% excellent detective. But it's mostly anxiety. <laughs> it's really predominantly anxiety. <sighs> God. Alright. Um, yeah, that's comics. <laughs> that's comics, baby. That's all of them. Um... So if you want to see um, the things that we're doing, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook. Just find us at Capes and Japes. Uh, we have an email address, capesandjapes at gmail.com. Um, we have a uh, Discord server where you can see such... Fun exchanges is Briar posting that panel of old John and Damien, and me being like, "Oh my god!" and Briar being like, "Oh good, you're awake." <laughs> um, so you can enjoy that. Um, we have a Patreon, as mentioned. Um, we did an October bonus episode that was talking about some um, various short box comics. That was fun. Um, also, as mentioned, uh, patron, um, patron of the show, Pav, uh, gave us the idea to do a team. So if you want to be an omnibus patron, we will probably come to you for ideas. So there's that. Um, yeah, if you can't, uh, support us on Patreon, but you still like the show, it would be Super cool if you wanted to leave a rating and a review. Uh, we would give you a shout out for it. If you want to tell a friend about the show, if you wanted to really strap a friend in and be like, here, here's some, here's some facts about the X-Men. <laughs> um, you could do that. Uh, and just coming back and joining us. Oh my god, we went. We talked for so long that I forgot we were doing this because it was episode 200. <laughs> Holy moly, you guys. I can't believe we've done this for 200 episodes. Um, that's absolutely bananas. Um, I can't say enough how um, really wild and special it is um, that people are still listening to it, like, engaging with it, like, it's, um, it's, it's so bananas. I am so grateful that we've been able to do this and make, like, a little community from it. Um, and also I can't believe there are 200 comic book characters more than you can talk about for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Comics are whack. There's there's at least 198 mutants. So really. <laughs> Canonically confirmed, we know there are over 198 of them. Um, oh my god. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Holy what? smokes. What if, Thank you all. Every month. Um, what if every month we did a mutant and we just had... <laughs> Like, I almost said, like, Mutant Mondays, but that's stupid. We record every Monday. <laughs> but just see how long it takes us to get through the X. <laughs> if we do one a month. <laughs> oh. The problem is... We no matter how many we go through, they will keep creating new X Men. God, you're right. I mean, by um, the time by the time we get to the new ones, maybe they will have done enough that uh, it takes us an hour to talk about them. Yeah, there we go. X Men are a renewable resource, <laughs> especially now that they cannot be killed. Um, holy moly! Um, thank you guys so much. Thank you for. Um, joining us for this and for so many other episodes of Capes and Japes. If this is your first one, thank you for joining us for this one specifically. Um, I have been Olivia. And I have been Briar. And, as always, stop your petty squabbling, sexy X-Men. <laughs> Get your shit together, sexy X-Men. Uh.